Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Friday, July the 14th, 2023 at 10.27 a.m. Central Time. Well, a few hours ago, I walked out my front door and I walked outside. And as I was looking around, I saw in the distance some smoke signals being sent off by a Native American tribe in the local region. There was these smoke signals coming out, and they were telling me that the Pony Express is fast approaching Abilene, Texas, and the Pony Express is delivering a thumb drive of the 2022 National Conference of Sword of the Lord. The Sword of the Lord National Conference MP3 album is being delivered by Pony Express on a thumb drive. Okay, I'm being a little sarcastic there. I'm being a little sarcastic, but if you remember that we are, I, I did a podcast episode telling you about the upcoming Sword of the Lord Conference, their national conference that I believe begins on July the 17th. So I told you we would be watching the conference. It's going to be live stream at what sort of the lord.com or sort of the lord.org. I don't remember their direct uh, website. I think it's sort of the lord.com and they're going to be live streaming it there for free. So we will be watching it. We'll be talking about it. You know, I'm, I'm going to ask other people to watch and take notes and maybe we'll compile all of our notes into a PDF file going, here's the summary of the Sword of the Lord 2023 National Conference right here in a PDF file. Uh, who knows? I have all kinds of ideas of things we can possibly do. I thought it would be fun, that it would be exciting because we get a little bit of insight into th that world, right? Into the independent fundamental Baptist world. What are they talking about? What, what are they worried about? What are they focused on in 2023? I thought by paying attention to the Sword of the Lord National Conference in 2023, that would be interesting. And then I came up with another idea. Wait, let's find the audio of the Sword of the Lord National Conference 2022. Then we can review some of those sermons and preparing and getting ready for the 2023 conference. And we'll be able to compare and contrast. That should be fun. That should be interesting. That should make up a lot of good episodes. So I go to the Sword of the Lord website. I go to their store and I'm like, oh, they have the 2022 conference and an MP3 album. Okay, I'll purchase the album. My thinking is I'll purchase it. They'll send me the download key. I'll download all of the MP3 files and then we'll just, I'll pick some of them. I'll just pick random ones to review. It should be fun. It should be exciting, beneficial to everyone, right? It should be great. So I purchased the 2022 Sword of the Lord National Conference, all right? I, I, I was all ready. And then I get the email and it just says, processing your order. What do you mean processing my order? What's going on? So then I kept waiting and waiting and I'm like, what's going on? Your order, you know, will be shipped. What do you mean my order will be shipped? It's an MP3 audio album. Just send me the download link. So then I'm trying everything. I contact sort of the Lord, uh, in, uh, I think by chat. They tell me, well, you should have gotten a download link when uh, on the page. And I didn't get a download link. Then I call. They don't know what I'm talking about. They connect me to this person. It's mass confusion. Who knows how many phone calls and emails? Finally, they're like, no, 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 no. There's no download link. We're going to send you the MP3 files on a thumb drive. And I'm like, it's 2023. 
Who even uses a thumb drive? I don't even know if I remember how to use a thumb drive. That's like, do you know how to use a, what, what was that, a rotary phone? Like, do, like, I mean, come on, what are we doing? Like, well, what is happening? And so then I'm like, okay, they're sending it to me. Well, it should be here in like 24 hours, 48 hours. I mean, it's a thumb drive for crying out loud. No, they're sending it by the United States Postal Service. And it was going to be here like, I don't know. Monday, Tuesday of next week. I'm like, it's going to take like a week and a half for you to deliver it. Like, are you delivering it by Pony Express? Like, what is happening? Like, this is insane. So I've been keeping up with it. And finally, I get an email that it will be delivered today. Now, I know, of course, I obviously I was being a little sarcastic that it was smoke signals from a Native American tribe letting me know the Pony Express is fast approaching Abilene, Texas. Obviously, that's a little bit ridiculous, but it's not too far from the truth. Like, I can't believe that you're going to sell audio files and you're going to literally physically deliver those audio files (laughs) via a thumb drive. That is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard of in my life. Like, what year is it? 1995? Like, what is it? It's 2023. Like, you know, you can just say, hey, you can have all the audio files from the Sword of the Lord conference right here. And I and just, you know, click this and download. I, of course, putting the sermons behind a paywall already drives me absolutely insane. And the only reason I purchased them is not because, because I, I hate even supporting that whole world of putting sermons behind a paywall. But I thought it would just be for you, the audience, it would be kind of a cool contrast, right? Hey, this is the opening sermon from the 2022 conference. We'll compare that coming up on July the 17th with the tw- the opening sermon for the 2023 conference. Did they similar approach, different approach, completely different? Fo- like, I thought it would be good. So today, at some point, someone were going to come riding down the street on a horse the Pony Express is here. And then I'll ride outside. I'll, I'll hop on the wagon and run on down to the road. Okay. All right. Maybe. Okay. Now I'm, I know I'm just being a, a way over the top, but yeah, we'll do so. Now, what that tells me is sadly, there's still certain pockets, certain elements of Christianity that still either one are so far behind the technology that we have in front of us. Like I, I'm sometimes perplexed by churches and ministries. And it's like, what are you? It's 2023. How can we be that so far behind in doing this? And it's, and looking, especially when you're going to start selling basically merchandise, when you're going to start selling stuff, then you become a business. So if you're going to, it's weird. Christians will do this weird thing. No, we're not a business. We're a ministry. But if you want our ministry, it'll cost you $19.99 for the, you know, for the conference or for the sermon series. And it's like, no, you're a business. You're a business. You are a business. So then conduct yourself as a business. Clearly identify on the website what you're selling, how it will be delivered, and then maybe have everyone in your, you know, organization literally know what's going on so that it would take one phone call, one chat and go, oh, you purchased this. That is actually an MP3 album on a thumb drive and it will be delivered to your home via the United States Postal Service. And it may take a week to two for delivery. Like, I mean, you, you just you, you just think you could pull that off, right? But so it's very frustrating. But at some point it will arrive.
Now, to transition, I want us to compare. I want us to think about this. As some churches are a mess when it comes to technology. They are a mess. They seem not to want to utilize it. I mean, how many how many ministries like their their, their content is either like maybe it's on YouTube, maybe it's a video, some cases they don't have an audio download, and how many of them don't have their content connected to a, a, a you know an RSS feed for podcast apps? Like why wouldn't you want all of your sermons on every podcasting app? On earth, that anyone could just look up your sermon, your ministry on any podcasting app. I don't care. Deezer, Pandora, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Apple, Google, you name the podcasting app, right? Podorama, I don't care which one. And you, boom, there it is. But no, 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 no. So many times it'll be like, wait, why is your content on a web, like, and, and, and uh, it's just, it's so maddening sometimes. Like, why are you not taking advantage of all that has been handed to us on a silver? It's like, here's the world's out there going, hey, here you go. Like, I have a, this is a matchbox. But just imagine inside this box is all of this technology. And, and the world is like, here you go. And we take it and like, Nope, we're going to wait 15 years before we open that box and start using that technology. Like, why would the church sometimes be such a mess? Now, some churches are right there. They're on the, they're, they're like almost on the cutting edge of it. They're, they utilize it and they utilize it well. They come up with new ideas. New, and I do understand that for some ministries, what limits your ability to use the technology that is available to you? is money. I'm very aware of that. I'm very, very aware. So many things I could do. I would like to do. It takes money. It takes resources. It takes people. I do understand that. But these churches that seem to have the money and the people and the resources, I just, I just, uh, sword of the Lord, they've been around for 927 years. Okay. That's a little hyperbole. You think they would have a pretty up-to-date website, good ordering, uh, ordering system, like at one point, I mean, they they still sell the physical newspaper, the sort of the like I they I think at one point they had a digital, but it was it was never very good. Like, why don't they have the sort of the Lord app, right? Like like they have the sermon vault as well. Like, just think about this: they could create the sort of the Lord app. The app would allow you to look at their to to subscribe to the newspaper in a digital format. Access to the sermon vault and then be able to live stream all of their conferences. They could take a, the sword of the Lord sermon vault and create a online radio station, which would stream through their app playing all of their sermons. And it may be one subscription. You get the paper, you get the sermon vault, you get, you, you know what, if they wanted to put things behind a paywall. Now, I understand creating an app is not an easy thing. When we had our own standalone app, it was so much work. And I've looked into possibly trying to create, you know, another app for us. But right now, the Church of the One, a Church One app has really been our, our app. But uh, I'm always trying to use, trying to come up with different technology to see what we can do. It's just so crazy how messed up churches can be in those areas and so far behind and don't really think about utilizing it. Now, maybe... Maybe my mindset is because I'm a little insignificant church in the middle of nowhere, Texas, with very few people. So then for me, 
you know, you want to use all the technology to reach people because you're not really reaching people there. So, so maybe I, that's why I'm more – maybe if you have hundreds of people in front of you every Sunday, then you don't really worry about trying to reach more people outside of it. I understand that. But you just think that there would be some things you could do. But I say all of that now to get to my transition. If churches are a mess when it comes to technology, how are churches doing when it comes to theology? Doctrine, Bible interpretation, preaching. Now, the one thing I feel is that no matter what generation you live in, no matter what decade, no matter what year, there's always complaints and condemnation and concern about the state of the church. I heard about how bad the church was in the 1980s. Heard about how bad a shape the church was in the uh, 1990s. I heard about how bad the church, the shape the church was in between 2000 and 2010. Then from 2010 to 2020. And now in the 2020s, the same thing. Oh, it's bad. I I keep hearing how bad it is. I'm not going to say it's not bad. I sometimes I don't know. Is it, is it just always in a state of being bad or is it? Is it just the the easy topic to speak of? Well, the reason I'm bringing this is today's focus is on Jude's warning. Now, if you'll open up your Bible to the epistle of Jude, we'll just read a few verses and you will hear the warning showing up very early. Jude, there's not really a chapter, so we'll say Jude verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, why did they need to earnestly contend for the faith Because the very next verse, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people had crept in unawares and they were impacting the danger for the church wasn't what was outside. It was that that had entered inside. Jude's warning. Now, we are going to listen to some audio that they talk about Jude's warning from the Fundamentalist Evangelical Association, the Fundamental Evangelical Association. Let me pull up their website really quick. The Fundamental Evangelistic Association, if I can say it correctly, the Fundamental Evangelistic Association at featoday.org. FEA, that stands for Fundamental Evangelistic Association. Today, that's all run together. featoday.org. They've started doing kind of these little 15-minute, I guess I'll call them podcast. They're on the website. Far as I know, you can't subscribe to it as a podcast on your podcast apps. Once again, there's the techno- technological issues that drives me crazy. But I do try to check their website somewhat frequently. I subscribe to their uh, Bible study guide. 
that comes out every quarter. I'm very appreciative of that. It's the FE, the fundamentalist, the fundamental evangelical association. I don't know how I'm having so many problems saying it today. The fundamental evangelistic association, featoday.org. You can check out everything they have available. I wish they would take all of their sermons, their little podcast, just put it in one podcast feed and send it to all the podcasting apps. Then it would be easy for me to subscribe to, but They don't. But 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 let's forget about the technological issues in the church. They're going to talk about the theological, doctrinal, hermeneutical issues in the church. Let's see what they had to say. This was published on July the 12th, so two days ago. Let's see what they had to say. It's only a 15-minute program, so we'll, we're going to review the whole thing, a little extra-long episode of the Today's Focus podcast series, which you know is really a joke because... All of them are longer than they're supposed to be, but here we go. Welcome to this episode of FEA Today. My name is Matt Costella, Director of the Fundamental Evangelistic Association, headquartered at the Grace Bible Church in Fresno, California. Our hope and prayer is that this brief program will encourage you in the things of the Lord and direct your attention to God's Word as you seek to make sense of the world in which you find yourself today. Now, Grace Bible Church, I think Fresno, California is what they say. They're obviously connected with the Fundamental Evangelistic Association. Uh, again, I wish they would have their sermons in a podcast feed. I think I think they're all on video now. I think maybe you can download the audio. I, but uh, I think at one point it was I was able to subscribe to it. I don't know. I'd have to look. I'd have to look again to see. Do they have a link? They used to have a link to their uh, to it. Let me see here. Media, of course, none of that is helpful at all. They got the make donation tab. Uh, our ministry, uh, I don't even know if they have a link to the church anymore. They may have may have completely separated this from the church. It used to be that you could find, see, our ministry. Yeah, they used to have it really, oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. All right, there it there it is. Grace, so it's a Grace Bible Church of Fresno, California. Here's their sermons. And there's the sermon archive, but guess what? It there's no there's no way to subscribe to it as a podcast. Like isn't that crazy? And, and when you click on the sermon archive, it doesn't even it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. All you can do, uh, you can you can go to their YouTube page. You can go to their YouTube page. That's it. That's your only options. YouTube. Like, why why wouldn't all of the sermons be available on every platform? That I'm telling you, that drives me literally insane. It may not bother you, but I mean, I, I have what ten podcasting apps currently on my iPad. Like, I, I just want to be able to go, oh, oh, there's the link. Okay, subscribe, 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 subscribe. Boom. There you go. I mean, go to go to theologycentral.net. Go to our pod page. I think there's a tab for listen. And then you have, can, right there gives you all the different ways. Or follow. Maybe it's follow. Gives you all the different podcasting apps you can subscribe to us on. It's really simple. Oh, and you can listen to us live right there at theologycentral.net. I mean, there's, oh, yeah, there's just, 
It's so maddening. All right, but let's okay. All right, there's. I know we're focusing on the technological issues in the and the local church and the modern church, but we want to. What, what's Jude's warning? He's not warning us about the lack of technology. Let, let's listen to that warning. Any grace-oriented, Bible-believing, fundamental believer who's in touch with the state of today's religious climate knows that the professing church is morally and theologically shipwrecked. Okay, so any really gospel-minded, grace-focused Christian who's in touch with what's going on knows the modern church is morally and doctrinally shipwrecked, morally and theologically shipwrecked. Do you think that's an act, an accurate description of the church in 2023, that it's morally and theologically just shipwrecked? Doctrinally, theologically, morally, it's shipwrecked. Do you feel that's the case? Do you feel that it's worse than it has been? Now, I, in some ways, I feel like I hear this every every decade, every generation, every year. I feel like I just hear this over and over and over. But are we reaching a point where now there's just no denying it? Let, let's see where they go. While I understand that this is certainly a bleak observation, it really is nonetheless true. Certain questions continually arise in the minds of believers who desire to be faithful to God and to sound doctrine. Why do so few Christians seem to care about truth and doctrinal purity? Why do feel-good contemporary churches seem to grow while separated, fundamental, grace-oriented churches seem to shrink? Is it too much to ask for a church to, to focus on expository preaching and, and to separate from compromised fellowships? These are the kind of questions that frequently enter the minds of many believers who really desire to uphold the entire Word of God as their foundation for Christian living and their instruction on how to possess a right relationship with God and grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yet the Bible, God's Word, provides answers to these questions. His Word tells us that heresy, compromise, and apostasy will flourish with time. In fact, he addresses this very issue in one New Testament book that's often overlooked or misunderstood by many in the church today. Yet this message is just what we need, and that's what I want to take the time to consider in this episode of FEA Today. Okay. I do want you to think about this because he's obviously coming from a theological background and a theological perspective that I too hold. The things in the church are going to get worse and worse and worse. That apostasy and heresy is going to flourish inside the church. Apostasy and heresy is going to flourish inside the church. Now, if you hold to that same theological perspective, it's one thing to say it's going to happen. But as we see it, maybe even coming to pass right now in 2023, going into 2024, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? 
What does it mean when you look around and you're like, the churches are politically hijacked. The churches are theologically a shipwreck. The churches are a mess when it comes to hermeneutics and Bible interpretation. What do you do? What happens when the church, if, if it's, if it's prophecy that the church is basically going to become so apostate, then where are the believers going to be? Are they going to be inside the church or are they going to be outside the church? Because it sounds like, according to some passages, that they're no longer going to tolerate you. Like you're going to be inside the church and you, the, the church, you're going to, they're going to push you out. They're not going to want you there. So then where do you go? Where are the believers going to be? If the church at large becomes completely corrupt, where are the believers going to be? Do they form other churches? But, or do they just end up, there's going to be a, a, a Christianity is going to move from the church to really outside of the church. That biblical Christianity will be surviving outside the church. What does that really look like in practical, tangible terms? Because a, a part of me have always thought, well, the church, there's always going to be these good churches. All you have to do is just look. But then you'll hear from a lot of people like, that's not the case. I either have to be, you know, I have to support this political idea, this political idea. I have to uh, support this culture war issue, this thing, this thing, and 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 the church is more this or that. And I and I'm ju- I, there's just I, there's no way I can be a part of that. Well, if that's the case, then I I I don't know if anyone ever really answers the question. Hey, here's the four step plan. When the church basically is done, it's so corrupt. Here is the four-step plan and how you should survive and how you conduct yourself without now a local church. All right, let's continue. The epistle of Jude is unique in that it's the only book in the New Testament canon that deals exclusively with apostasy in the church. Consider the chronological order of our New Testament. The four Gospels provide us with information regarding the life of Christ and his offer of the kingdom to Israel. The book of Acts provides the historical background for the beginning of the church following Christ's death, resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Then we have Romans, which lays the foundation for our faith, descriptively detailing Christ's perfect work and our responsibility as men and women created in the image of God. Paul's other epistles lay down the doctrine that is to be embraced and defended by the church, and they touch upon the dangers of apostasy and false doctrine. Peter's epistles contain warnings about the false teachers who would soon enter the church. John's epistles then address the key to fellowship with God, and they refute the doctrines of the false teachers who were then deceiving the church. The epistle of Jude, however, was written for one purpose alone to warn of the apostates who had already entered the church and to tell the believers how to deal with those who rejected the doctrine of the apostles. The book of Jude is as timely today as it was in the first century. Question. Does the chronology of our New Testament indicate that apostasy heresy would come, would first, first, does our chronology really lay this out? A warning Heresy and apostasy is going to come into the church. Hey, heresy and apostasy is in the church and it's only going to get worse. Like, like if you follow the chronology of the New Testament, it's like, hey, everything's wonderful. It's great. We've got this new thing called the church. 
in a sense, you know, in a more defined term. Okay, we have it here. Okay, now now I'll be on the lookout. Heresy's going to come. False teachers are going to be on the lookout. Oh, guys, it's here. It's already here. Problems are already here. And then it just gets worse and worse. And, and, and then the expectation is not only was it bad then, it was only going to get worse in the future. And here we are all of these years later. And now we are seeing coming to pass. We're seeing the fruit. We're seeing the reality of all of those warnings. But now what do we do next? What do we do next? Peter had warned that false teachers were about to enter the church. We see that in 2 Peter chapter 2. And Jude declared that those false teachers were already within the church at the writing of his epistle. He states this in Jude verse 4 and in verse 16. If contention against error was urgently needed in the first century, certainly it's needed more than ever today, hundreds of years later. Yet, what do we find today? We find a lethargy that exists within professing Christendom, even within supposed evangelical fundamental churches and organizations. Somehow, today's Christians often feel as though doctrine isn't that important. Theology really doesn't matter. Contending for the faith is passe. They feel that as long as individuals are coming to Christ or their lives are being changed for the better through lively contemporary churches or evangelical movements or music that appeals to the flesh, then Christ must be honored through all these means and to separate from these things would be too divisive or unloving. In other words, Christians today have completely sold out to the idea that the end justifies the means. Pragmatism reigns supreme. Obedience and sound doctrine are not important. Only visible results of changed lives are what really matters. Why do so many evangelical Christians, including fundamental grace-oriented believers, feel so comfortable around compromise and feel-good theology rather than sound doctrine? I want to propose several answers, four particularly answers to that question today. First, because they have either forgotten, disregarded, or never understood their biblical and historical roots. They don't remember that in the early part of the 20th century, godly men and women interpreted the Bible literally and recognized that apostasy and unbelief would pervade the church in the last days. These believers realized that in order to honor and glorify God, they had to separate from any churches or denominations or ministries that tolerated false doctrine, and they had to defend the doctrines of Scripture that were being attacked. In other words, they were required to take both an offensive and a defensive position. They needed to separate from error, and they needed to defend sound doctrine. Not surprisingly, many of today's evangelicals are doing neither. They take the scripture literally only as far as it meets their own perceived spiritual or emotional needs. They only define false doctrine as that which is taught by the cults, maybe Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, or others that are far removed from mainstream Christianity. Yet Jude reminded his readers that they were to remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were to remember their roots, and they were instructed to embrace and contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Do you think the problems today is because people have forgotten their roots? forgotten the past. Now, I do know that there is a major problem within the church of complete illiteracy when it comes to church history. So many things related to church history, Christians do not know. 
Now, I don't know if that would fix the problem. Many don't even know the, the, the history of evangelicalism or, or the split between, say, the evangelicals and the fundamentalist and, and the influence of, uh, you know, uh, different, uh, textual issues coming from Europe and coming, uh, modernism and textual criticism and so many issues that were happening at that time. Many don't even really know the root and history of their own whatever theological tradition they're a part of. So do you think that would fix the problem if people got back to understanding their roots, their history, church history? Put it this way, it could not hurt because I believe every Christian should know the history of the faith which they profess. I think that that should be a requirement. I think all churches should do their best to try to teach as much history as they can, right? I, I, I mean... I don't know. Do you feel that that would, do you think think that that's one of the root causes? Do you think that's one of the problems is that Christians don't know their roots? They don't know the past and therefore they are committing the the mistakes of the past and the present. Does it make them more vulnerable in the present? To live only in the present, forgetting the importance of the apostles' doctrine, was to succumb to the apostates who were taking advantage of forgetful believers. A second reason is because many believers today have come to embrace a pragmatic brand of Christianity. If a church is too small or if it lacks youth or community outreach programs, then they feel it's not worthy of their support. On the other hand, if a nationally renowned men's movement or women's movement comes to town hosted by an array of notable preachers or authors who have the attention of thousands of people, this kind of meeting merits their attendance. Likewise, these kinds of believers are often drawn to to those churches that attractively and actively seek to attract the unsaved and are outwardly successful in their endeavors. These believers have often adopted a pragmatic theology that, despite its neglect of sound doctrine and defense of the faith, it appeals to their own idea of what is genuine Christianity. Again, Jude addresses this grievous error as well. He reminded the believers that the false teachers would speak great swelling words and be admired by men. The ideas, strategies, and programs of these teachers appealed to the early Christians and most likely attracted the crowds, but these men were apostates and their doctrine was to be fought against by true believers. Okay, do you think the second reason that we see so many issues? First, they've forgotten their roots, that Christians today have forgotten the past, so that, that that's why the church is in so much trouble. And second, do you believe the church, many Christians have adopted a very pragmatic approach to church? Now, he calls it pragmatism. Do you want to call it pragmatism? Do you want to call it selfishness? It is true that many people will see a small church and nah, they don't like the way it looks. They don't like, there's not enough programs. There's not enough this. They're always, I think people are more picky now than they've ever been. I don't know. I feel like there's more of like, you know, well, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't know. What do you think maybe the issue could be? Do you think there's pragmatism? Do you think it's selfishness? Something for you to, I I, I don't know how we fit that into the the overall problem, but I definitely know churches use pragmatism. I I mean, you you, you almost have to to survive, right? Hey, this is not working. 
We're losing people. What do we do? Well, you've got to come up with a new strategy, a new approach, a new marketing campaign, a new everything. Um, Okay, so someone just said, so far, I think the reasons at least have enough clout to consider. Not sure exactly what would make an actual difference. That's that's a good point. Even if we consider these, I don't know if it would make an actual difference. I think that's a, I think that's a a, a very good point. Uh, but yeah, I, I but I do understand. Like you know, like it's easy to condemn churches for using pragmatism, but it's like, well, do you want to survive or not? Right? Do you want to survive or not? Now I tend to go the opposite direction, right? When when I feel like, hey, if you keep doing this, there's not going to be anything left. I, I have a tendency to kind of double down like, well, then there won't be anything left because I'm going down swinging. I'm going to go down trying to stand for the very principles that I started with. I, you know, from a human perspective, I'm an absolutely abysmal, horrible failure as a pastor, I mean, I mean, my it, it's it's an absolute embarrassment and a joke. I understand that from a human perspective, but I just refuse to cave in and just do what everyone else is doing. Like I, I still believe there should be ministries out there that say I don't have to sound and act like every other church. You can be different. You can say no. This is a place of learning. This is a place of questioning. This is a place of study. This is a place of doctrine. We, we this is a place of sinners trying to figure out the Christian life. But I understand you've got to look around, going, hey, 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 hey. We need to have a meeting. Okay, guys, attendance has been down 15%. Money has been down 10%. We got to figure out what are we going to do? We need our stewardship campaign to get the money back up and we need to get that attendance back up. Anybody got some ideas? Come on, let's, let's get the whiteboard out. Let's get some yellow stickies. Let's, let's flow chart this. Let's, 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 let's make, let's map this out. We got to get people back. We need to do something. I understand that because if you don't, you don't survive. That's the sad part. That's the sad part. You tick off enough people, you're done. You don't go along with what people want. You are done. You are finished. It's the sad part of ministry. Like on, on one hand, that's one of the things that's so discouraging. Like you, you, you want to think ministry is about taking the word of God and preaching it and teaching it and trying to figure it out because there's enough people out there who just want to study and just want to figure it out. And then you figure it out that what people want is whatever they want. And if you don't give them what they want, they leave gone and so in, in a roundabout way, you should just every week just hand everyone a piece of paper. Please tell me what you want. Please tell me what you want. And we'll, we'll ensure that we will get our team together as fast as pro- possible to see if we can provide you exactly what you want. Right. In fact, we'll have people coming through through the church during the service to provide you snacks and drinks. Okay, and we'll make sure that we'll someone there to fan you and to make sure you're okay. Maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but yeah, it it just seems like that ministry is more about figuring out what your audience wants and delivering to them what they want so that they will stay. A third reason why so many evangelical Christians feel so comfortable around compromise and and feel-good theology is because they've never received a solid theological foundation in their own churches. 
Their pastors and teachers are powerful motivational speakers, but they're weak expositors of the word of God. The believers sitting in the pews are continually fed milk rather than meat. Their pastors and leaders are more concerned about buildings and numbers than with rightly dividing the word of truth to the congregation. Because these pastors place more emphasis on outward action for Christ rather than on genuinely knowing him and understanding his will through the careful, diligent study of God's word, the believers in the pews are often void of true conviction. Therefore, when error subtly begins to creep into the church, they're susceptible. They don't know how to identify error when they're confronted with it. In an indirect way, Jude addresses this dilemma as well. He exhorts the believers in the church to fight for the faith once delivered and to remember the apostles' doctrine. Okay, you know I'm conflicted on this approach here. All right, we're going to blame the pastors because they're not feeding the people enough scripture. They're giving them milk, not meat. They're not expounding the scriptures and they're not giving them theological substance. If you will, and so therefore the people are starving, the people are ignorant, and so they're vulnerable and they don't know false doctrine. Now, again, I, 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 there was one, there used to be a time, there used to be a time, right? Where I would be like, that is the problem. Pastors won't do this. Pastors don't care. They're only giving people milk, blah. And I'm going to give the, I'm going to give people the meat of God's word. We're going to dig in. We're going to struggle with doctrine. We're going to struggle with theology. We're going to figure this out. We're not going to be afraid of any problem. We're not going to be afraid of any question. We're going to do this. And well, it's been an absolute failure from a human perspective because the people say that's what they want <laughs> they will be peace out as soon as you don't cross the t the way they tell you to or dot the i you got to do it exactly and then 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 next thing you know you're like okay what i thought you wanted you did and then they always tend to go to a churches that just kind of do it like everyone else it may not be too deep it may not be too shallow they just find that little happy medium to keep everyone happy. So on one end, you can accuse the pastors are not doing it, but if the pastors really, 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 really dug in the way I think that what that actually means, I think you would lose half your church. And then on the other hand, so I used to be really like attack churches for not doing it. Now I'm more understanding like, well, they got to, they got to keep the doors open. They got to be able to pay the bills, right? Like, like, so now I'm a little bit, what my frustration now is not so much the churches, my frustration are with the individual Christians. Now I'm much more frustrated with the people, not the churches. And the reason I used to put the blame always at the foot of the church. Now I put the blame at the foot of every individual who, who is supposed too theologically and biblically illiterate to see false doctrine. I'll put the blame on them now. It's 2023 for crying out loud. Every single Christian who goes to church has an entire seminary education in the palm of their hand. There is no, they can read every word of the church fathers. They can listen to sermons from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. They can listen to theological lectures. They have access to commentaries, Bible handbooks, Bible dictionaries, Bible encyclopedias, Bible atlases. They, they can look at the Greek. They Hebrew, they have access to literally, they basically the entire knowledge 
of Christianity for 2,000 years is literally in the palm of their hand. I'm sick and tired of people saying, well, their church did not theologically train them. It's because the people did not want to be theologically trained. If they wanted to be theological trained, they could have got up off their backside and done something about it. I'm sick and tired of the church being blamed for that. Christians don't want to study. They don't want to do anything. It's on them. I'm ch- I've changed my perspective on that. I used to blame the church. And then you realize, man, you can, you can buy people books. You can hand them notebooks, pencils. You can hand them study guides. You can hand them everything. Won't do anything. The lethargy, the apathy, the complacency, it's in the pew. And the pulpit has to deal with it. Yeah, that's going to make me, yeah, I, I, you know, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to make lots of friends with that, but I'm just, I've just kind of grown tired of that excuse. I used to put the blame on the church. I did. But now I'm just like, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. There wasn't any excuse before the internet, and there's definitely no excuse even before the internet. Okay, I was a, I was a, no, I was, I was a, you know, not a very intelligent Christian teenager, but I could figure this much out. There's three Christian universities in this town. Hardin-Simmons, there's the Baptist, ACU, there's the Church of Christ, uh, uh, McMurray University, there's the Methodist. They all have libraries. And guess what? I could go to those libraries. Whatever. I may not could check out books, but I was allowed to go in there and sit there and read. And they had sections on Bible history, theology, church history, and I could go read whatever I wanted. Oh, there was Christian radio. I could turn it on and I could listen to Chuck Smith, Charles Wendall, John MacArthur. I could listen to the Lutheran Hour on Sunday nights at what, 10 or 11 p.m. I could listen to night sounds. I could listen to this and I could listen to that. Oh, I, Oh, there was a place called the Bible Bookstore, and I could save up money, and I could go in there and buy theology books, and and buy, give me a break. Anything I learned, it's not because I was smart. It's not because I was even godly, right? I I, I was I was committing all kinds of sin, but I knew that hey, if I'm a Christian, I probably should at least figure this stuff out. So any Christian saying, oh, you know, I just, my church did not teach me theology and my church didn't, just stop whining about it. Okay. Because there's no excuse. You have a phone. How about, you know, stop watching cat videos and I don't know, listen to some theology. How about start, instead of posting about what you had for lunch, do some, use your phone for something of value. Now, by all means, if you don't want to do that, don't do it. But then don't whine and complain that, well, you know, my church, my church, my church. Stop blaming the church. And then the people who say that, well, then won't even go to a church that's trying to do those very things. They'll go support the church that has the programs, the nice building, has a, and, and that's what they'll do. I, I, I am completely changed my view on this so much. Like I am, I'm 1000% opposite to the way I used to be. I used to be, you're right. The churches don't, they're social clubs and they do this and they do. The problem is the church. And because I thought, hey, if you, if you, if you point out the problem with the church, 
then you say you offer the alternative, people will flock to the alternative. (laughs) People don't want the alternative. They want church as usual. They want church by the numbers. They want the corporate mainstream church where everyone follows the same template, talks the same way, acts the same way, preaches the same kind of sermons. Because they want friendship, community, activity. It, because that, the look, the churches are going, look, here's the thing. The churches are going to give the people what they want. That's always been the reality. Because if the church doesn't give the people what they want, the church will cease to exist. The church is a service industry. And you got to provide the customer what they want. The customer is always right. Now, I know theologically we'd be like, that is not true. The church is the bride of Christ and we preach the word of God and we give people what they need, not what they want. Okay, yeah, that's, we sound so big and bad, but it's, 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 that's what it becomes. So he can blame the church that that's the reason that I, I'm going to, I'm sorry. When you've got literally apps with, Everything you could, like, it's it's a seminary education. It's like a seminary. There's a book put out by Moody, I think it's Moody Bible Institute or uh, Moody Publishers called the, uh, it's, a, it's a seminary and uh, one volume seminary or something along those lines. I have the book saved in my notes, but it's like one book. It's like a, a very large book and it's like a seminary education in one volume. One volume seminary or something along those lines. Well, I mean, right there, that's just an example. There's a book that can give you an entire, that is designed to try to give you as close to a seminary education in one volume. That's just for everyday lay people. Every day that lay person, I mean, lay people can learn as much as they want about doctrine, theology, and church history. They can learn anything they want. Anything. If you'll, if you'll do a search for all of the theological and Bible and Christian podcast out there, you, you, you would drown yourself in content. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm stepping off my soapbox. I'm going to turn my rant off. Click. Obviously, the believers could not call to remembrance and fight for true doctrine unless they were taught it in the first place. Another reason that so many believers today are so comfortable around compromise and feel-good theology is because they feel as though the responsibility to separate, warn, and earnestly contend is delegated only to the, the church pastors and leaders. They leave it up to their pastor to decide whether or not a compromising evangelist or speaker should be invited to their church or to decide whether or not to allow member involvement in ecumenical or moral crusades. And... If their pastor compromises in one such respect, they're comfortable with his decision. Again, Jude's letter addresses this kind of attitude. The epistle of Jude was written to all believers in the early church. It's a general epistle to all churches and all individuals. Every believer is personally held accountable for his attitude toward compromise and error. No Christian has divine permission to focus only on evangelism or only on church planning or only on a certain aspect of ministry. Every believer is commanded to earnestly contend for the faith. Finally, I think that so many... Only thing I would say with this one is, once again, oh, they they see the pastor, quote-unquote, going along with this, and so the people are going to follow the pastor. The people will follow the pastor until they don't want to follow the pastor. What is that? Like, like the people just don't know what to do. We're like sheep. Well, the pastor does it, so we'll do it. Give me a break. As soon as the people don't agree with the pastor, they'll disagree. Disagree with the pastor on anything. 
Like, I like, are you feeling like the people like, I, well, my pastor said this was okay, so it must be okay. People will disagree with the pastor literally on anything and everything. Don't act like the people don't know what to do. I just don't know. The pastor says it's okay, so it must be okay. The problem is compromising leaders because the poor people, they just don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They didn't. Come on now. People will disagree with the pastor like that. They'll go against the pastor just like that. It doesn't take anything from the d- disagree. It doesn't take anything for them to go the opposite direction. It doesn't take, they don't even bother even to say, they'll just do, they're going to do whatever they want to do. Me today are comfortable around compromise and shallow theology because they're listening to compromising evangelicals who decry biblical fundamentalists, grace-oriented believers as those who are always looking for an issue to fight about. Many who refuse to identify themselves with strong separatist churches and organizations frequently level scathing attacks against fundamentalist believers for being too narrow, issue-oriented, unloving, or judgmental. And we have to admit in one sense, some Christians lend credence to this unfair generalization. Regretfully, some who profess to be biblical fundamentalists are always looking for a fight. They display a belligerent attitude that assumes everyone else must be wrong. They would rather be isolationists than true biblical fundamentalists in the historical and the biblical sense. Yes, we must separate from error, but we must also rebuke the errant in an effort to see them restored to right fellowship. A spiritual attitude is essential. Clearly, This assertion that fundamentalists are always looking for issues to fight about is a gross misstatement of fact and overgeneralization. Biblical, grace-oriented, fundamental, Bible-believing Christians simply care about the truth. They obey God's word by contending against whatever attacks that truth. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ requires the believer not only to earnestly contend for the faith, but also to build himself up. On his most holy faith, as Jude writes in verse 20. How can we do this? How can this be accomplished? First, by remembering, studying, and obeying the words which were spoken before of the apostles, Jude says in verse 17. The faith for which we are to contend and upon which we are to build is all the revealed truth of God given by the Holy Spirit to the writers of Scripture. The book of Ephesians makes it clear that the church, that is all true believers from the day of Pentecost to the time of the rapture, the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. The apostle Peter, when he was addressing error about to enter the church, reminded the believers of their need to be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 2. Believers will not find reproof, rebuke, exhortation, and doctrine from visions and dreams and speaking in tongues or even motivational messages or lively music in the church. They will only find edification and instruction in the written word of God. The Bible is our foundation, comprised of the words of the holy prophets and apostles as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jude's epistle is so timely for us today. It contains a wealth of theological content, important in a day when a lack of interest in sound theology exists. 
It emphasizes the imperative of militancy and defense of the truth, which necessitates conflict. This command from God is often completely ignored by professing Christendom. You see, today is a day of compromise, not consistency. Moderation, not militancy. However, the truth needs to be declared and the truth needs to be defended. Jude's epistle is more relevant to today's church than to any other period of church history for this simple reason. Satan has shifted his tactics of attack upon the apostles' doctrine. He deceives believers into accepting false doctrine and permitting harmful associations by mixing truth with error rather than blatantly attacking the Christian faith. Yet again, Jude provides the answer to apostasy in the church. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, number one, and number two, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. A balanced life and ministry are of utmost importance. Preach the gospel, teach the word, earnestly contend for the faith, and unite with those churches and ministries that carry out these imperatives in a spirit of love, humility, and holy resolve. I thank you so much for joining us for this episode of FEA Today. May the Lord bless you, and until next time, may you continue to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, a couple of concluding thoughts. Number one, if you believe there's so much bad teaching out there, if you believe there's so much compromise in the evangelical world, then conservative fundamental churches, I'm going to circle all the way back to how I started this entire episode, needs to then utilize technology to get that conservative, fundamental, biblical approach on every platform that you can. Like, I don't know, that very program we just listened to, how about turn it into a podcast and place it on all podcasting apps? How about take that very ministry, the Fundamental Evangelistic Association, their very ministry, why don't they take their sermons and instead of just placing them on YouTube, they place them in a podcast feed where they could be available to everyone. Um, all right, someone has just said this. Personally, I have a hard time knowing if things seem worse now because I'm more aware and paying attention because we all are more aware because of technology and being able to know what every church is teaching or because it really is worse. That is true. It's hard to know if it's worse. I, we have more access now. So now we can know how bad it is. I do agree. It's very difficult. But if you're convinced that it's worse and that the evangelical church is filled with horrible compromise in their teaching, well, then use the technology to get your messages out there. It's, it's crazy to say, look, it's a mess. And then you go to their website and you're like, well, I can't listen to FEA today as a podcast because you don't have it as a podcast. Your sermons from your church are just on YouTube. It's 2023. Those things should be everywhere. You should be looking for every platform you could put them on. Every platform. It should be everywhere. Like, on one hand, we talk about how bad it is out there, and then we don't try to get our stuff out there. Get the stuff out there so people can easily ex uh, access it and utilize your content. That's not that difficult. It's just so confusing and confounding to me. Like, sort of the Lord would be like, where you are the fundamentalist. Then they put stuff behind a paywall. You put your sermons behind a paywall? 
hey, we've got to address the compromise in the evangelical world, and we're going to have a conference, and we're going to charge you $100 to get in. Are, do you, are you really going to address it? Because you're putting it behind a paywall. Now, sort of the Lord, to their credit, their conference, they're not charging, and they're going to live stream it. But once again, it's going to be live stream on their website. Why wouldn't you look for every other platform you could possibly live stream on? Like, I, it just makes, on one end, it makes no sense. But here's what I would challenge you to do today for today's focus. I would want you to focus on the following. Number one, what do you think are the causes of the problems in the American church in 2023? What do you think are the causes? What do you think? He gave his, his causes. I don't know if I really, he tried to take them from the book of Jude. I understand what he was trying to do. I don't know how applicable that is to 2023. There would be some similarities, but for you, come up with three or four things. You're like, here is what happened. Here are the, here are the reasons for the problems. And then what do you think the fix is? What do you think the fix is? What do you think the fix is? So what are the causes and what do you think the solutions are? Try to three pro, three causes and three solutions. And I'd love for you to share them with me today at newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I know I probably offended many people because my perspective is no longer attack the church and I put the responsibility on the individual. But yeah, I definitely have changed my view on that dramatically. There it is. Jude's warning. That's your today's focus. For this Friday, July the 14th, 2023. And if we listen carefully, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I hear the horse coming down the street. I don't know. At some point, the Pony Express will round the bend and come flying down the street saying, Delivery, delivery. We have your your sermon on a Thumb drive from 1994. Okay, all right. I, I, yes, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that a hard time. I'm just never gonna get over that. That I wanted the, the digital audio files, and it's being delivered to me by the United States Postal Service on a thumb drive. It's that's ridiculous. All right, but that is your today's focus for Friday, July the 14th, 20, 23. <laughs>